It's a, a real privilege to speak uh, at a baptism service, and I think the three um, guys that, that spoke this morning did so well, didn't they? And I know they were nervous, but they did fantastic, and it was brilliant to hear that. And, um, you know, I've just come back from uh, two weeks away uh, in Southeast Asia. I was speaking in three different countries uh, over a two-week period, and they were all English-speaking situations But I realised that even though there were English-speaking situations, there's a lot of cultural issues and some things can get lost in translation. Okay, And um, even though they were English-speaking, they also all spoke Chinese and some of them spoke dialects like Huiken and Cantonese and something called Chu Chu or something like that. Apparently it's a dialect. And and, and when they went into those languages, then everything was lost in translation to me. And at some point I sat there thinking, I'm on another planet here. And because that's what happens with culture, it's what happens with language. And um, what can happen is that when people try and translate things into another language, things can get lost in that process of translation. So here's a few examples. Okay, I'm sure that they didn't really mean this when they wrote this on a bin. Poisonous and evil rubbish. You put evil rubbish in a bin there, whatever that is, I'm not quite sure. And an airport, when you're at an airport, if you're delayed on a flight, you just want to know why. And here was one translation. Delayed due to some reasons. <laughs> okay, so I need a little bit more information than some reasons for me. Now, this supermarket, I am sure and convinced that what they meant to say was fresh juice. But this is actually how it was translated, flesh juice, which is a whole, a whole different meaning. And then, and then here's something on a seat. And I don't know how this could be a little offensive to you, but here's something on a seat. Go to the next one. The old, weak and pregnant. All right, I don't know what category you, you think you're in there. Again, going back to, to an airport. Uh, I'm sure there's a letter missing here because this one translates to take luggage of foreigner. I'm thinking it should be take luggage off foreigner to help them rather than take luggage of the foreigner and run away. Uh, KFC, how many of you love KFC? Yeah, just in that little corner there with the young people. Not many of us. But their little line is finger licking good. It got lost in translation. Eat your fingers off. (laughs) To be honest, sometimes in KFC I've wanted to do that because I think it actually might taste nicer than the chicken, but there you go. Um, and again, go back to an airport. What on earth was in their mind? I have no idea with this next one. Go back to your behind. So I'm not quite sure what, what that really means. And just to show that churches can also get things wrong in communication, here's something on the side of a church. Harvey Park Christian Church, Disciples of Chris. All right, so... Chris, we've got some Chris's here, guys and girls, great people, but we're not going to follow you. Or is that all right as a, as a disciple? But some things can get lost in translation. You see, we live in a world that has never communicated more than it does now. It, it, it has never had a time when there's been so much connection between us as human beings. And yet I want to suggest we also live in a world where we have never got so much lost in communication, lost in translation as we do now. So so we can communicate with each other on the tip of our fingers with our smartphones and yet so much of what we want to try and say to each other gets lost in translation. And look at marriages, look at lives, look at families, look at friendships, look at communities, look at nations. You know, we've all been horrified this week looking again on our TV sets at what's happening around the world and in Kuwait and France and Tunisia and of course, Simon's daughter, Aisha, was, who's here this morning down in the kids' work, she was there in Tunisia, just on the very next beach, was due to go on that day when that happened. And, and those things bring it home to you. What a crazy world we live in, don't we? 
So much communication, so much connection, yet so much is lost in translation. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at uh, one little phrase which appears uh, in the Bible, uh, really. Uh, uh, and it's, it's so simple, and yet it's got so lost in translation. And the simple f- phrase is this, God is love. God is love. And I think that's got lost in translation because of the word love, partly. Because you see, the word love, we only have one word in English for the word love. And let's be honest, okay, and I know not, not everyone's English this morning, but English is a little dull language. I mean, in French, love is je t'aime. And in Italian, it's amore. But in English and in black country, it's I love you. Which, in my thinking, like Spanish, Italian, French, sounds amazing. But in English, black country, I love you. It just doesn't sound quite the same, does it? And the other thing is, we only have one word for English... Okay, for, for one thing, we have one word for love in English. So I say, I love God, I, I love football, I love my wife, I love curry, I love chocolate, but I don't love them all in the same way. Because obviously at the top of that is the villa. No, 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 not the villa, not the villa. <laughs> and, and we have different kind of ways of expressing that, but we only have one word. And that's how this has got lost in translation as well. You see, much of the, much of the Bible is written in, in, in Greek, in the New Testament. And in Greek, they have lots of different words for love. And one of those words for love is a word called agape or agape, depending on how you say it. And it's a very difficult word to translate because it really is an unconditional, self-sacrificial, giving love. And it's kind of the only love that isn't dependent on what you get in return. It's all one way. And it's the kind of love that God loves us with. It's this immense, amazing, wonderful, glorious love And when we hear God is love, we can think all kinds of things. But what I want to do this morning is just to briefly try and unpack what this phrase really means. You see, let's look first at the nature of love. See, if you've ever been to a footy match or you've seen on TV scenes, and it doesn't happen so much now, but it used to happen. You used to watch a a big football game, make a World Cup or something, and in the crowd somewhere was someone with a banner saying, God is love. Or for God so loved the world, John 3.16. And when you look at that, you can think the love of God then must be amazing because it's so big it can encompass the world. God so loved the world. But here's the thing. It's not the quantity of God's love that makes it amazing. It's the quality. This is what we miss in translation. You see, the love of God is so different from all other kinds of love because of the nature of the love. It's not dependent on anything we can do for God. There is nothing in it for God to love us. But it's just sheer love. And you see, the thing is, the point is not that the world is so big that it takes a whole lot of love to love it. The point is the world is so bad, it takes an amazing love to love it at all. And when I look at the world and I look at what's happening in our world, some of the things that people do, and I think, God, you still love this world. And you see, God has given us free will and choice. That means that people do things like they do to each other. God has given us that free will. I, sometimes I think, God, why would you do that? But there's a whole reason for that. And it's about love as well. And yet when God looks at the mess that we make of the world, He still loves us with an incredible, amazing love. And yes, He has the quantity to love the world, but the quality of His love is what makes it so distinctive. The Bible puts it like this in Romans chapter 5, which is a letter, a book in, in the New Testament that a guy called Paul wrote. 
It says this, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. That's amazing, isn't it? So what God is saying is that he loves us so much that there's nothing in us that deserves it, but he loves us anyway. I think that's incredible. There is no love like that on the planet, the nature of his love. But it's, not one, thing, it's, it's one thing to have that love. It's another thing to express it, the expression of love. How do you show someone you love them? What lengths do you go to to express love? Have you ever tried to express love to someone and, and if you remember back to being a teenager, and some of you don't need to remember very far, because you are, then, then you'll remember that moment, I'll talk to the adults, okay, when you are going on a date with someone, and you think, tonight is the night when we're going for the kiss. Have you remember that? Long time ago, I know, for some of us here. And if you were like me as a teenager, I can still remember back to it. You're practicing that kiss for hours beforehand. You're using your hand, you know, you're in front of the mirror. And you're thinking about which way am I going to turn my head and all that. And then you get to the moment and you've done all the practice and all the preparation. And you go to turn the head and go. And she's also, or he, done the same preparation that you have. And they're going the same side as you. And you clash noses and there's blood everywhere. And it doesn't work out like you wanted it to. Because you tried to express it, but it didn't quite work out. And we express our love through a kiss. We express our love through gifts. So we give chocolates to each other to express that love. We give flowers to each other. And of course, the best expression of love with a flower is a rose. And it was a little odd walking through the office with this the other day. Had a few comments from some of the band this morning as well as I was walking through with this. But that's what we do, don't we? We express our love through giving a rose. And you see, a rose is so amazing. You know, Cleopatra filled a room two feet deep with rose petals for the arrival of Mark Antony. That, that, that was how she tried to express her love. And roses right through history have been expressions of all kinds of things. In fact, different color roses express different things. Red and white together expresses unity. Yellow is joy and gladness. Pale colors of friendship. A crown of roses is a reward or virtue. But a single red rose says, I love you. It's an expression of love. How did God express his love for us? Well, I want to tell you this morning, he sent his one and only rose. Didn't he? We call him Jesus. And you see, the great thing about a rose is that you see the red you know, on the petal, which speaks of blood. But you also, on the stem, have thorns, which speak of the pain and the sacrifice. It wasn't easy or cheap. God's love expressed to us in Jesus. And he expressed his love by sending his one and only rose to us called Jesus. In the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell was Lord Protector of the realm. And um, there was a soldier that was going to be executed for crimes he'd committed. And he was going to be executed when the bell rang at curfew time. But when it came to the time, the bell didn't ring. And um, Oliver Cromwell didn't know why, and he asked someone to find out. And what had happened was that the fiancé of the man had gone up into the bell tower and had clung on to the clapper of the bell. And as the bell was rung, uh, she basically took the pain, took the weight of it so the bell wouldn't ring. And he asked for her to come in front of him, and she came, and she was cut and bleeding and bruised. And because of her sacrifice and her love for her love, he said, your guy, your fiancé will not die tonight. The bell will not ring for him. The Bible puts it this way, in in an amazing way, in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. 
Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. And these folks who have been baptized this morning, they've understood, okay, that God loves them so much that he sent his one and only rose, Jesus. And that's how he's expressed his love. But you know, expressing your love is not enough. There's got to be a response to love. Because when you express that love, you know if you've ever expressed love and it's been knocked back or rejected, you know how you feel. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? And I know this is going to be hard for you to imagine, but when I was at school, um, I wasn't that great with women. You don't need to laugh quite that much at the back there, okay? And there was this girl, there was this girl that I really liked and I plucked up the courage to go ask her out one day and uh, I said to her, um, would you like to go for a walk? And to my amazement, because she was a really good looking girl, uh, she said yes. And I was staggered. And I thought, this is going well. So I said, would you like to go for a walk? And then would you like to go to the cinema? And she said yes. And I'm really excited now. And so I thought, I'm going to go one further. It doesn't get rude, okay, before you, know, before you go there. And I said, I'm going to, I said, would you like to go for a walk? Yes. Would you like to go to the cinema? Would you like to go for pizza? And she said yes. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. And then she looked at me and said, but not with you. I know, I know, it's painful. I'm still over it. But eventually we married, and uh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. It wasn't that, it wasn't that. <laughs> joking. So, <laughs> and now we're in marriage trouble. And, <laughs> but when you, when you try and express love, and it gets rejected, it's horrible. But you know, I think to myself, God, you get this all the time. You express incredible Agape love, this incredible, sacrificial, unconditional love. Express it. You gave your one and only rose and we knock you back all the time. And yet he keeps on expressing that love, waiting for us to respond. What are some of the responses people have to God's love? Some people, their response is this. I'm too together for it to be true. I, I don't need God's love. I'm too together. My life is all sorted and all together. And what people think is that religion, faith, Christianity is a crutch for weak people. I want you to know, at one level, if that's what you think, I hope you never break your leg. Because when you do, you need a crutch. But what we've experienced is that not only is Christianity that incredible help when you're going through difficult times, but it adds so much and he adds so much to our life, so much far beyond that. But when we recognize we're broken, we need something to help us when we're broken. And what many of us in this room have experienced is a love which is not only that support into our brokenness and the healing of our brokenness, but so much more than that. It gives us life and meaning and purpose and joy. And if you think you've got it two together for it to be true, God still loves you anyway. He really does. But you know, many people I've met, they think that it's too good to be true. I think there's no way that God could love me like that. There must be a catch. There must be something else up his sleeve. The only thing up God's sleeve are more gifts for you. They really are. And we think we've got to do something. We've got to earn it. We've got to pay for it. And we haven't because it's already been paid for. That was paid for when he sent his one and only rose, Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Some of us think we're too bad for it to be true. You know, that we're not worthy, that if, if, if God really could see what we're really like, what we've done, what we think, what we feel, he would not want to love us. Listen, God's God, he knows all that anyway. And the Bible says when we were still sinners, when we were still separated from him, he loved us by sending Jesus. You are not too bad for it to be true. Some of us, maybe we feel that we're too hurt for it to be true. And I met a lot of people who I think they're so hurt and wounded and they almost hold on to the hurt and wound because they don't want to let God's love get close because it's too painful. 
I read this years ago, so profound. When you repress or suppress those things which you don't want to live with, you don't really solve the problem because you don't bury the problem dead, you bury it alive. It remains active inside of you. And if you've been hurt in life, like we all have, God's love is the answer. How many of you know that's true? Many of us in this room, we know that's true. But you've got to respond to the rose that's offered. You need to choose to accept the rose God offers you. Bible says in John chapter 1, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So He offers the love. He expresses the love. And then you have the choice of whether you receive it or not. What will happen if you receive the love? What are the effects of love? Well, well let, let me tell you, so, so, so we get this really clear, so nothing is lost in translation. If you accept the rose, if you accept his love, your problems will not disappear overnight, okay? I wish it were true, but it's not. Your bad points won't all disappear overnight as well. I wish that were true, but it's not. You won't become a totally different personality. Some people think that. They think, oh, you know, I'm going to get everything like, you know, I'm going to become a different person. You won't become a different personality. The fun will not all be sucked out of your life if you accept the love that God offers you. But what will happen is this, the hunger will get satisfied within you. You know, Einstein said, it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. Mother Teresa said, the greatest disease today is not starvation, the greatest disease is loneliness. I know lots of people who know lots of people who are very lonely. Because there's something deep inside that isn't satisfied through just knowing people. There's a loneliness that can only be satisfied when you receive the love of God. That's what will happen. You'll get that hunger satisfied. You'll also get a brand new perspective on life. A new security. Nothing to prove. A new attitude. You know, you can love when you know that you are being loved by God. So many people are so fearful to love. You know, I met someone this week who we're helping through a very bad, difficult situation in their life. They're not a Christian or a churchgoer. They came in to, 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 to the church and they met with some of the staff and and as, they went, as the staff went out of the room, he turned to me and he said, he's an older guy in his 70s, he said, you've got such nice people here. He said, I don't meet nice people anymore. He says, I just meet people who are mean. And, and there's just something about, you know, if you know that you are loved, you're free to love. If you know that you've been given so much by God, you're free to give away. And you're free to serve. Because you're not holding on in fear and meanness and insecurity, but you can give. And that's an amazing thing. And you will receive that when you receive the love of God. You'll also receive a new sense of purpose. Life can begin to really mean something. And can I just say a little word about baptism this morning? Because I think the word baptism has got lost in translation too. And some of us hear the word baptism means if I'm going to get baptized, that means I've got to have my life all together spiritually. Okay, I've got to know the answer to every spiritual question. All right, and it doesn't mean any of that. Some of us think we've got to have a totally unique, earth-shattering, mind-blowing story, and it doesn't mean any of that. What baptism is is a response of obedience to the love that God has offered us. And when we receive that rose and we say yes to God, the next step is to get baptized. So I want to say to you this morning, if you've responded already to the love that God offers you in Christ Jesus and you've put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him and you've not been baptised, then you should be. And we would love to help you with that, okay? So don't wait any longer. Just put your name down. Talk to us. The next baptism, make sure you're there. Because it's so important that we do that as a step of obedience.
So this morning, we're going to sing in a moment, and then Simon's going to come, and we're going to baptize these, these three brilliant people who've responded to the rose that God has offered them. But if you haven't responded to that this morning, maybe this morning you're here, and you've never said yes to him. Maybe you've never invited him into your life. You can do that. But you know, if, in order for you to receive something, maybe some of us need to drop whatever's in our hands and open our hands and, be, and say, God, if your love was given through Jesus, through his life and his death to me, I want to open my hands and I want to receive it in Jesus' name. Why don't we pray? You know, this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus and you know that this is true, what I've been sharing, maybe this morning it's been a long time since you've received his love as well. Because it's not just a one-off thing with God. That's the thing that blows my mind. It's a continual thing. And the Bible says in Revelation that you know, there are a group of people in churches who'd, who did great things and were really faithful, but they lost the first love. They lost that sense of passion for God and for each other. And we need to continually receive his love. So I want to pray for you, and then we're going to move on. Father, thank you. that You are an incredible God. You so love the world that you gave. You gave your only son. It's not just the quantity of it that blows our mind. It's the quality of that incredible love. You expressed it through your one and only rose, Jesus Christ, who took our pain and our punishment on himself. And even though we reject you, you keep on offering. Even though we turn our back, you keep on giving. And Lord, when we drop what's in our hand and when we receive this gift, God, everything that really matters changes. God, that hunger gets satisfied. That new perspective comes into our life. And Lord, we begin an incredible journey with you. And God, as we witness these three folks that are getting baptized today, this is another step on their journey. God, I pray that we'll also, all of us, take a step on our journey as well. And for some of us, that might just mean a little yes, where we say, hey, I'm going to find out a little bit more about this. Maybe we come back to church. Maybe we go on the Alpha course. Maybe we ask a friend a little bit about it. But it may be that there's someone here this morning and we're ready to say a big yes. We're ready to drop whatever's in our hands and to open our hands and to receive the gift of love that you have for us. God, please, would you help us to do that today, I pray. And maybe this morning there are some of you today and you really need to know God's love in your life. Maybe you're going through a tough time. You know, at the end of our service, when we finished, through that room there, there are some people there that would love to pray for you. We've been doing that every Sunday the last few weeks. If you're physically ill, we believe God heals. We'll pray for that. But there may be other issues that have come up this morning and you just need to know God's love again and God's presence in your life. Then we'd love to pray with you for a few minutes after the service. But Father, right now, we want to receive your love again. We want to receive the rose that you offer us, the expression of your love in Christ. And we thank you for this incredible, world-changing, world-shaking, amazing, wonderful, glorious love. May it never get lost in translation in our lives, I pray. We receive it from you today in Jesus' name. Amen.